Welcome back to the UDL Forward podcast, where we continue our exploration of the latest and most innovative practices in universal design for learning. I'm your host, Melissa Emler. And I'm Mia Schmiel, joining Melissa once again as your co-host. As passionate advocates of UDL, we're committed to bringing you real-life conversations about the practical aspects of UDL implementation. In today's episode, we'll discuss the Trials Project. Everyone always wants to know how to measure implementation of UDL across their district. And everyone wants to know, what does UDL look like? The UDL Trials Project will help schools really dig into the impact and move forward. UDL always begins with a goal. And today, our goal is to help you understand the impact that the trials are having on the implementation of UDL across the state. That's right. Let's dig in and let's move UDL forward. All right, here we are. We have Michelle Ring Hansen and Joe Miller with us. They are members of our UDL design team in the state of Wisconsin, and they are specifically working on a project that we're calling the UDL Trials Project. And this project has <laughs> a history of it's been a long time coming to get to this point. And I would love to spend some time initially with Joe talking about what the original iteration of the Trials Project was and and how... the. It's funny, we could recollect on the conversation that we had when we were both so confused about how this was going to work and you helped me make sense of it. So can you take me back in history and talk about where the Trials Project started? Right, Missy, that was quite a while ago, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're about seven or eight years ago since that moment, but... It was 2014 when Wisconsin started with CAST and UDL. Yes. And CAST brought in the idea of UDL implementation trials when they introduced the grant project for the Wisconsin State demonstration sites. And each of the CISAs was tasked with assigning a consultant that was going to help those districts implement UDL through the CAST UDL implementation trials. Yes. And I remember being really confused as they tried to talk about what was the expectation of the districts. And we were measuring, you know, we had an engagement goal and we had, depending on the district we were working with, either a reading instruction goal or a math instruction or outcome goal for our students. And it really felt like lots of things going on. And I was very confused. And I remember calling you and you were saying... Well, Missy, think of it like independent and dependent variables. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's now suddenly starting to make sense. So can you talk a little bit about has that thinking about the independent and dependent variables carried through into what is now evolving into being the project? Sure. I think what we experienced is really common in education where there's a group of folks that have a really great idea and come up with a theory about how to do something and one of the part of my background is being able to take theory and translate it into something practical. And I think that's what you experienced when I started using my science teacher background. Yes. <laughs> related to um, experiments that we've all done in our science classrooms. 
And that's really what the UDL implementation trials is about. It's about experimenting with our practices as professionals and as the independent variable, and then using measures of or indications of impact on students as the dependent variable. So we change something and we want to see what the impact is on the students that we serve. And I've brought forward through from 2014 until the time that I partnered with Michelle to really make more concrete the supports and tools that are available to make this process efficient and clear the districts. Moving from that beginning stage to now, we're still targeting student engagement and academic progress as the two indicators of our impact on students when we change our practices. And that is fantastic. So just to give you a broad overview for those of you listening, the UDL project, the UDL trials project is really aimed at ultimately measuring the impact a UDL implementation has on student learning. But we realize that it's our instructional and teacher practices that have an impact and we have to address those practices and uh, see those things change in order to see the actual impact and change in the student outcomes that we're hoping to see. Would you summarize it any differently or add anything to that, Michelle or Joe? I think part of the process is being good users of the data. So you can have the trials and the practices go into place in a classroom, but you have to be good data collectors of information in order to realize that impact and understand what the data is telling you. So I think that is one of the pieces that I appreciate most about the work Joe and I have been able to do together is we've taken data collection and really brought it into the work by eliminating barriers that teachers generally face when collecting data, as well as giving them resource to take them through an inquiry dialogue to make sense of the information and make decisions because of what they've learned from the data. Oh, So I think it really is the evolution of this is a practice we're going to deliver. These are the students that are going to serve as indicators of impact. And then we, we actually have to collect that observational data and turn that data into information and talk about it in order to bring that data into the the practical side of implementation. Michelle, I'm really glad you brought up barriers because what at the during the early parts of this entire UDL project in Wisconsin, teachers experienced a lot of barriers when it came to collecting and understanding the data. And I think our toolkit really evolved from trying to find a way to remove that barrier for teachers so that they could get at the heart of the collaborative conversations that really make a difference for the students in their classroom. Yes. And the thing that stood out to me that Mia, I think you'll probably want to chime in on is I think, Michelle, you called it the inquiry process and the coaching questions and guides that are in the toolkit as well and how impactful those 
those inquiries really are. And I think, Mia, haven't you experienced that personally? So I've used the trials process with several schools within our region, and most of them are very small rural districts. And what I've found in being able to talk about the the data that is collected during this process, it generates conversation and it creates this sense of a, and I'm going to say it, of a PLC, but like a really strong, vibrant opportunity for folks to be able to talk about what's happening in their classrooms, what are some of the shifts that they're making within their practice. And it becomes this very collaborative opportunity for folks to to be able to design and unpack data together. And I've just found that in the, the districts I'm able to, you know, support folks in, especially our small districts, it provides them a an authentic purpose for collaborative conversations. And that to me has been something that I've just really come to, you know, love and appreciate about the way that Joe and Michelle have put together the toolkit and the way that we can have these very collaborative conversations around data, even if you are the only math teacher in a department. Even if you're the only science teacher in a department, you have a chance to talk about engagement and data with your peers in a way that I don't know we can replicate in, in other ways. It's just, it's been really, really powerful to be part of those conversations and like some of the debrief sessions with folks. It's not just small schools, Mia. We had the same experience with an urban school here in the Northeast region of, of Wisconsin. So tell us what went into creating the trials toolkit, because I think we're starting to understand as you talk about removing barriers and moving the work forward, really the toolkit is essentially what's helped you remove some of those barriers. So can you talk a little bit about what the toolkit is, what went into its creation, and maybe what you think are the golden nuggets inside of that amazing piece of work? I think from the development standpoint, there were two pieces that Joe and I were very committed to. One is that the toolkit needed to be able to stand alone that someone could pick it up and read through and apply what they were learning from the toolkit. That it didn't need to have a partner training that had to, you know, you can't make sense of the toolkit unless you get trained on it. That that wasn't something that we felt was sustainable and accessible. So we started with the idea that this needed to stand alone. We also built in the idea that Personnel changes happen in districts and at schools on a regular basis. And the process, if the process was implemented and people could wrap their arms around the process, it wouldn't become so dependent on a person. And that the UDL implementation trials and the work at the classroom level wouldn't necessarily be dependent on one person, whether they were there or not but was more dependent on a process that allowed for plan, do, study, act cycles to happen at the classroom level and for teachers to have that collective opportunity to be good users of data and inform practice, ultimately, again, to improve outcomes for students. And we always have removing barriers in the top of mind when we're thinking about what to include. So it really is a mentor toolkit. So a mentor has access to template agendas, 
Um, we're not assuming, you know, deep skill in facilitation. We've provided coaching prompts so that that a person within the district, and we really are committed to the fact that these districts, we want it to be sustainable within their system, that they're not required to have an outside expert come in. And so we wanted to include as many tools, supports, and barrier reduction features that would allow in-district people to pick this up, create a cadre of you know folks that can mentor teams that are working in the classrooms and doing implementation trials. So I think the thing, just really quickly, just to come back, because Michelle, you mentioned, and I think it's the first time we've mentioned it, and I think it, we need to talk about it a little bit more, but the trials are essentially a plan, study, do, act cycle. And so there's sometimes a vocabulary I remember the vocabulary being a, a void when we first started on this, um, calling them trials or plan, study, do, act cycles, but essentially they're essentially the same thing. So can you just dig a little bit deeper into that so that the listeners understand what the trials actually are? And then Mia, you can chime in and because I think you were going to say something, but go ahead. Sure. So one of the things that we know about educator practice is there's this concept of continuous improvement that is alive and well in our state's educator effectiveness system. So what we did not want to do is have a process that was outside of how our educators work with educator effectiveness. We also know that good continuous improvement requires the components of plan, do, study the impact and act. So what we did is we applied that concept of continuous improvement to the trials work, meaning that you go through cycles. So you might you start with baseline, you know, what is it that we know about how students are responding to current instructional strategies delivered in the classroom? And then from that baseline, we say, all right, so what do we see in the engagement and academic side of learning when we apply a UDL practice and we plan intentionally and design learning around the implementation of that UDL practice? Then we apply the practice and collect the observational data on how students are responding with that practice. And then we're able to really study what that data is telling us and make any adjustments as we prepare for adding a new strategy to another cycle. So each cycle is not a one and done. The expectation is that if we started with learner goals, because as you said, Missy, we always start with goals. So if we start with, you know, learning goals, well, we don't expect after that trial and collecting data and seeing the impact of having students really embrace goals. We don't want that to stop. But what we want is to now add another UDL practice to that platform to say, all right, if we take goals and students being able to self-assess where they are in their learning, now what does that do for the learner on the engagement side as well as their academic progress? 
So it really is about taking the UDL practices, putting them into place in the classroom, knowing the impact, and then paying them forward as we continue to design for learners that vary. Mm -hmm. Mia, what are you thinking? I saw you shaking your head as Michelle was talking. Well, I just, I've, I've been able to see you know, the impact in classrooms and talk with students who have gone through the trials process. And it's just been really so powerful to see teachers think about engagement in a very different way because of the very like deep dive we do into unpacking some of the engagement strategies when we think about UDL and just kids being able to begin to think about who am I as a learner? And like I've had some of the most incredible conversation with students because of this shift that teachers have made and, you know, kids thinking about how did you learn today? You know, where are you in, you know, relation to the learning goal versus what did you do on your assignment today? Right. And beginning to shift that thinking to the learning and not just getting stuff done. I actually just put a post in the UDL Forward community space, which we always invite you to join. But I just put a post just a few hours ago about engagement is not just compliance. And I think that the trials and the inquiry coaching questions that are provided in the toolkit really help teachers understand how to look for engagement that is not just a measure of compliance, right? Sitting down quietly you know, engaged in the tasks at hand, but it's really about, you know, do the learners know what their learning goal is? Do they know what choices they want to make of the options and whatnot that are provided? Do they know what works best for them as a learner? And do they make choices based on that? And then do we give students the opportunity to think about the choices that they made on their learning path and whether or not those choices worked for the learner? And so depending on what instructional practices you're sort of layering into your plan, study, do, act cycles, that those measurements of engagement are always really important. And I think that the trials give teachers the support that they need to look at engagement differently because there's more guidance as to what is engagement and how can we measure it that's not just in the compliance space. One of the things that we have found valuable with the engagement indicators and the rubric that we've been using with the trials is the idea of the three dimensions of engagement being represented. So the cognitive engagement, the social engagement, and the behavioral engagement. We do need kids to be ready to learn, and some of that comes through the behavioral engagement side. But the cognitive and engaging in your own learning and the social aspect of being part of that classroom community are also equally important as we develop students into expert learners. Yeah, and that we're trying to engage teachers in this practice. So that academic rubric is teacher developed. So teacher teams that use the UDL implementation trials process develop a academic rubric that's relevant to them, their practice, so that engages them in the process. Yes. And thanks for that reminder of the three-dimensional, what did you call it, Michelle? The three-dimensional piece of engagement. Engagement, yeah. 
Yeah. Thank you for the reminder of that because all three of those pieces are important, but we have so often only really relied on behavioral observations to really assess engagement. And and it's not just teachers. When teachers do or when principals do walkthroughs and evaluations, that's essentially the most visible piece of engagement. And so that tends to be what surfaces and what conversations are had. And I really appreciate just the reminder that engagement is three-dimensional. And I think we all can benefit from just the, that reminder. And, and there's also a lot to be said through the, the trials process that Michelle um, and Joe have created. It's a way to empower teachers to not only think about engagement in a different different way, but for them to actually see that you can design learning to be engaging. And that whole shift from, well, I can't engage these kids or the kids aren't engaged to that that opportunity to design in a different way, to collect data on that design feature. And you know, like it works. Or here's what we tried. This part didn't work this time. And that constant like being able to go back in and try and know that there are, are resources and, and ways that we can try to engage kids in a way that maybe we didn't think would work before. But that shift in thinking about engagement and the way that we can empower teachers to design in a different way is just absolutely brilliant in the way that, you know, the two of you have put the trials together. Well, and just to revisit what Joe said, or I think Michelle said earlier, the layering in. So you put one thing in place, like maybe designing with some engagement features, but then the next piece that you design, you keep those things that you initially put in and then you layer in another strategy and just see how how the impact compounds over time and over the course of each trial. It's fabulous. One of the things I Friday, last Friday, had a conversation with the high school principal who is uh, creating the readiness for his teams to be part of the trials. And we were talking about the engagement piece And the assumption that often our teachers have that students understand what it means to be engaged. And I think the trials gives the opportunity to not only help teachers focus on those indicators of engagement, but for us to bring the idea of what does it mean to be engaged to the learner. Here's some things that we're going to not only teach you what it looks like, but give you feedback on. Yes. Because again, there's an assumption kids know what it means to be engaged. And I don't think that happens through osmosis. (laughs) Yes, I I agree. (laughs) And I think what we're getting at is like the underlying learning that essentially the teachers as designers are doing is we're essentially learning about executive function and self-regulation in a way that we maybe not have, as teachers have not studied Prior. And so these trials and thinking about designing in a different way that actually gets to the level of attention that we want is really bringing us a new awareness of the executive function and self-regulation that our learners need. And like you said, Michelle, bringing that language to the learner can be impactful in and of itself. I think one of the other components of the toolkit that Joe and I really were committed to was having multiple entry points for districts and mentors. 
you might have a team that's gone through this process before, but now really wants to enhance or, you know, create more fluency, scale up the work. The toolkit is really designed for experienced mentors who have been part of the work and new mentors. So the, again, it's really designed in a cadence that provides learning, growing in that role as a mentor, leading the work, and then knowing when to adjust and how to provide those supports to the team. And I think the predictability and the fluency in having each section of the toolkit follow that design schema of, you know, you learn, grow, lead, and know allows for the adaptability and flexibility of that mentor to take a team where they are and bring them through the process. That is brilliant. I love it. I love it. So I think we would be remiss to not talk a little bit about the data collection tool that has emerged as a result of the work that you've done and how you've you sort of had you know, maybe messy systems and spreadsheets and Google Sheets and how that has evolved into a tool to streamline the work. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So, well, Missy, you will remember when we first started with the UDL grant in 2014, I'm not sure there was a single person on that whole statewide team that was skilled with collecting data and organizing it in a way that was not going to be a bear to process. So I took it upon myself in trying to meet the needs of the customers that I had in the district that I was serving to try to develop a tool that would help streamline their work. Because it was really about trying to create the easiest path for teachers to engage in the work and really get information out of that data that was going to help them in their classroom and not just some ivory tower at some state organization, right? Yes, absolutely true. That was the impetus for the design of the spreadsheet version of the data collection tool that did the processing of the data also. And I I used that for many years with the districts that I served. And it, it was fine because it was a few districts. It was only the folks that I was serving. And when glitches happened in spreadsheets, each copy needed to get attention and problem solving and fix this little glitch, which was fine for the number of districts that I was serving. But as soon as we started scaling it up to the districts that Mia served, the districts that Michelle and I engaged with in her CISA, we came to understand that using the spreadsheet document, that tool was not going to be scalable across a greater number of people. And it's not reliable enough for a team to use that tool and be able to self-identify any glitches that were going to happen and be able to fix them. So what happened was there was a decision made at CISA 8 to invest in this idea of this data collection tool at a classroom level. And we've developed My Impact, which is a web-based data collection and transformation tool that allows for easy observational data input 
that can disaggregate that data across the demographic indicators for the rostered indicator students that student that teachers identify. And then districts can look at their data across teams, across schools, and consolidated by districts. So it really removes that problem of the spreadsheet having glitches. Yeah, the make a copy and then somebody messes something up and then it's different yeah. across this. Oh, I've been there. Right. And then it's a frustration again, right? Yes, it's a barrier. So it's all about reducing the frustration to make the value added work of really looking at the data, making sense of it. And like Mia said, having those collaborative conversations that are transformational for the teachers that are that are engaged in the work in their classroom levels, impacting their students. Yes. So essentially having the scalable technology tool, which you're calling My Impact, allows for more time to be spent on those conversations because you're spending less time fixing formulas in the spreadsheet and you have a streamlined way to collect the data and then process it and make decisions and have discussions about the data too, because it's there for you and you can trust what's in there to be absolutely true of the yeah. experience. One thing we do want to pay forward, however, is that we are providing districts and schools with data collection option. Mm-hmm. So if you have someone on your team who really is an Excel guru and enjoys that type of work and can provide both the technical assistance and the background formulas to turn that data into those visual representations, you know, that that tool is available as well. Right. Uh, so what we did want to do is, you know, provide only one pathway for data collection mm-hmm. because the data collector uh, spreadsheet tool has been part of team use right. prior to this upcoming year. So that that option is available. Right. The difference will be there's not technical support any longer provided should that tool go right. awry, if you will, <laughs> as far as formulas and format. Right. Let me just add a, a clarifier there. The data collector tool that's available now in the toolkit does not include all of the formulas that do all of that data processing. That would have to be done on site. Yeah, on, on site. site. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. again, as I said, if you have someone who's good and can build those background formulas with that tool, it, the option is still available. Absolutely. Right. It's just a matter of, you have to figure out as a district, what is the best investment and people's time is is an, an investment of resources. So it's just a matter of where you want to invest that time or money to either have somebody on your team create that data processing piece or utilize the tool that's been developed to use it. And I think what's interesting is that the realization of the benefit of the tool could potentially be so much greater than just the UDL trials. It definitely feeds into any of the educator effectiveness pieces for districts that aren't even using or aren't implementing UDL specifically, but are still doing any plan, study, do, act cycles, the tool can be really beneficial for all of those pieces. So what I think is great is the amount of learning that we've done since 2014 in the UDL trials and how we've worked so hard to remove the barriers that the technology 
was just the next step in removing a barrier. And we are just glad that somebody in our state sort of, you know, decided to invest in removing that barrier for lots of people. And Joe, you were the perfect person to sort of uh, lead that work and spearhead that piece, because I think you might have been the only one who fully understood it in a very practical sense all the way through. And I'm just happy to see how it has absolutely evolved and evolved for the better because you have done such a great job of removing the barriers. Well, I'm excited to see how that tool, along with all the supports and tools that Michelle has been able to um, add into, you know, encompassing that, all of the supporting pieces, because I think our partnership has created a toolkit that includes those tools that are efficiencies as well as a process that can make these things practical and realizable for districts, scalable across our state, but also across our nation. Yeah, it's fantastic. So just for those of you listening, if you're curious about the UDL trials process and getting started, certainly in Wisconsin, it's part of our grant work initially, and it has been for a while. However, we're starting to scale up and out of the grant work, and there are ways to go through the trials, like they have said, sort of independently because the toolkit is in there to support you. And each of our CISAs has a UDL person with expertise in UDL that would be able to support you with that implementation also. But you can actually have access to many of the tools inside of the UDL Forward community. That is where all of the toolkit is stored and it's there. It's easy to read. It has visual supports. It's like it has some color coding. It has all of the pieces that you really want inside of the UDL Forward community. And that is definitely there for everyone to participate in. You just simply click to join, just go to udlforward.community, join. And then you can, once you're in the community, you can reach out to Michelle, Joe, myself or Mia and say, we're wondering about the trials and we will connect you with the person that you need to be connected with in order to get access to the toolkit. But we are very excited. It's been a long time coming and a lot of work. The toolkit, you guys, you two have been developing the toolkit for, is this going on your third or fourth year in this project? The fourth year. (laughs) Well, actually we've been together four years. So 18, 19. So this is our fifth year together. Year one was kind of the roadmap of the idea of some type of guide for the field. And then the development started. Uh, One of the things I will say is that getting the toolkit to where it is now was not just passion for Joe and I. Uh, We were able to really capture the expertise of our CISA UDL team. Those folks that were out working with districts had the direct field test voiced in both using the guide, the process, the tools with their team, but providing us feedback to review, refine, and really get the toolkit in its most usable form as it stands today. So I I just really believe that none of us are as smart as all of us. And having the voice that was, you know, the usability side of the the tools and the toolkit and the process really created document that has both, I would say, 
voice in it from the mentor role, from the coach role, but adaptability for where teams are in the process. Yeah, it's fantastic. All right. Well, we are nearing the end. And Mia, did you want to say anything else? Because you've been quiet for a couple of minutes, but I'd love to give you the floor. I, I just am so happy that folks are able to access the the toolkit. And just a big shout out to all of the districts that we've been able to pilot this work in over the last several years. So the principals, the teachers who we've been able to collaborate with across the state. And and truly when when, you know, Michelle talks about getting feedback, we took everything we could from the field to try to make the toolkit as user-friendly and you know, as, as we possibly could. So it just a shout out to Joe and Michelle for being so open and wanting to make sure that the toolkit is ready for folks in our schools and using, you know, that feedback was, was so helpful. So my applause to Joe and Michelle. Yes. <laughs> Access plus use equals benefit. There you go. Absolutely. Without you, we have no benefit. So that's the task ahead of us. That's right. We are on a mission to make sure that the toolkit and the data collection tools are used so that the impact can be realized. So with that, we will sign off. Thank you so much. Have a great day. And as I always say, don't get in trouble. That's a wrap for this episode of UDL Forward. We hope you found our discussion insightful and inspiring. Making education accessible and engaging for all students is really important work. Before we go, we want to remind you to please subscribe to UDL Forward on your favorite podcast platform and tell a friend to listen to. And don't forget to join our always on, always available online community at udlforward.community. In the community, you can connect with like-minded educators and share your thoughts, experiences, and questions related to UDL. We'd love to see you there and continue this important conversation. Until next time, keep pushing those boundaries of education and moving UDL forward.